Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. The Lord will be with us. So tonight uh, we're going to talk about teach from the word of God on the fivefold ministry. And everybody say the fivefold. Okay, the fivefold is not this. I heard about a gentleman that was upset with somebody. He said, Pastor, I about introduced him to my fivefold ministry. That's not it. <laughs> Although, uh, Brother Stone King and Brother T.W. Barnes have used the five fingers on one hand to, uh, you know, teach apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So let's go to the word of the Lord, Ephesians 4, and we'll start with verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11. Now, when we read uh, this passage, Paul starts out the chapter talking about Christ descending before he ascended. He says something like, you know, before he ascended, And that would be a reference to uh, his post-resurrection ascension to heaven when he was glorified. The Bible says that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Everybody say gifts. So there are many gifts In the Bible, the greatest gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached that message, and he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That word gift is the Greek word doron, and it means the gift of great sacrifice. And we know what the great sacrifice was. It was Christ's death on the cross. And he went to the cross, suffered, bled, died, rose again, was, the book of Acts chapter 1 said, seen of the disciples for 40 days, and he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. And he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven. So the gift of the Holy Ghost is the greatest gift. But once we are filled with that great gift, the Doron, the gift of great sacrifice, evidenced initially by speaking with other tongues, then perhaps we become a candidate to receive one or more of the other gifts that are offered, that are available. And because Paul uses the language of ascension, sometimes we call these ascension gifts. So don't let it throw you. If you're reading some you know, religious material or you're listening to a speaker and they talk about the ascension gifts, uh, it simply is referring to, uh, well, the fivefold ministry, but it's also referring to really all of the gifts that are available to believers once they uh, receive the greatest gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of great sacrifice, then we sort of become eligible, I guess we could say. Paul said, covet earnestly the best gifts. 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 14. He said, covet them. Everybody say covet. Now, the Bible says, thou shalt not covet, but uh, this is a holy covetousness. This is not a, you know, well, I wish, you know, I could drive that and live in that and wear that. It's not that kind of a covetousness. It is a, a holy, righteous covetousness. It simply means desire spiritual gifts. So let me differentiate between the gifts of the Spirit and spiritual gifts. 
the gifts of the Spirit uh, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapters 14. And it's interesting that right between those two chapters where Paul is giving us the controls of the gifts of the Spirit, there's three gifts to speak supernaturally, three gifts to act supernaturally, three gifts to know supernaturally. And uh, right between those two chapters is the love chapter. And the gifts mean nothing, and they accomplish nothing unless they are inspired in us by love. Not by pride, not by super spiritual stardom, but we should be inspired to pursue these gifts and then to operate in them because we love God, because we love others, and we want to see them blessed and edified. So the gifts of the Spirit, there's nine of them, and they are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, there are also what I guess I would call spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are Romans chapter 12. The spiritual gifts, there's seven of those. And those are different than the gifts of the Spirit. These seven spiritual gifts sort of explain how we're wired. For example, one is administrator. And then there's the gift of teacher. The gift of serving. The gift of prophecy. The gift of exhorting. That would be my gift. I'm an exhorter. And by definition, exhorters are always ready to preach and teach, but they have to always go find a scripture to make it legal. They got a word, but they got to go get a a verse. Oh, I got a verse. Now I can go preach. (laughs) So I'm just having a little fun, but it's not that far from the truth. But... But teachers, on the other hand, they can't stand exhorters because exhorters are a mile wide and an inch deep. But teachers, they're, they're deep, and they, they dig it out. And uh, I, I would love to come back and, and teach about the teacher and help you discover maybe if that's you. So there are the fivefold ministry gifts. There are the gifts of the Spirit, and there are spiritual gifts, and they're all ascension gifts, if you so desire to call it that, call them that, sort of in, un, lump them under one category, but there are subcategories. And tonight, I, I want to unpack a little bit of the fivefold ministry gifts. So this is Ephesians 4:11. And he himself gave some to be apostles. Everybody say apostles. Say prophets. Say evangelists. Say pastors. Say teachers. And why did God give us, why did, why did the Lord envision this five-fold ministry for the equipping? The King James says perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the ultimate purpose of the fivefold ministry is to mature the believers that we would not be dysfunctional that we would not be deformed, like Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, am I going to have to be a mother again and go back into birth? Because when I look at you, you're a mess. You know, you're not anything like what uh, God intended for you to be. He said, am I going to go back into the pains of birth again until Christ be formed in you? In fact, that was the first text That's Galatians 4.19, I think, I ever preached to this church. Uh, The formation of Jesus Christ. 
if I remember correctly. And so the fivefold ministry, the purpose of it is to work on us through preaching and teaching and sharing and one-on-one time and probably mostly modeling the attitude and the behavior of Jesus Christ. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. And so the fivefold ministry is to help us be equipped and to become perfected. And how many of you could say that preaching and teaching has impacted you for, for change, for to, to move forward, to maturity, to, to go on? And I, I, I'm the first one to say uh, that God has changed my life even after I obeyed the gospel through teaching and preaching. Uh, so, but the, so the first purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints. Now, listen to this. For the work of the ministry. So the job of the fivefold ministry is to teach, model, train saints. And if you were here on my, our 34th anniversary the uh, 10th of July, um, we gave a message on this honor have all the saints. And when you're a saint, you have status with God. Redeemed status. And, 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 and uh, familial status, like a father and a son. God is our father and you, you have status. In fact, saint means holy. A piece of that word means to be holy, to be sanctified. And uh, so, but the saints need perfect, perfecting. See, I have the greatest job in the world. You all are volunteers that pay me to put you to work. It's a great idea. And it's God's idea. And I'm just having fun, but. So to equip the saints, for the saints to be skilled and equipped and trained to do the work of the ministry. You know, God didn't save us to, you know, so that we can come to church twice a week and pay our tithes and sing in the praise team and then play in the band. That's great. Well, that's wonderful. But the work of the ministry, really, what Paul's talking about is go reach the world. Go impact the world. And so that's the purpose of the fivefold ministry. And Paul said it won't be done until we all come to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a mature church. The stature, the fullness of Christ, that means eyeball to eyeball. Did you ever think that you could become so perfected That one day you could look at Jesus eyeball to eyeball? Yes. Yes. Ever since, if you grew up in church, whether you did or not, when you look at Jesus, you're like, oh, he's way up there. I'll never reach him. That's That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul said, I'm I want to attain him. I'm I'm grasping for him. I'm reaching for him. And he says here in Ephesians that it's possible to become mature enough and, and Christ-like enough that we sort of just really start looking like Him. We start thinking like Him. We start really treating other people like Jesus did. And the fivefold ministry, their primary purpose is to equip us to be able to be like Jesus and to impact this lost world. Now, I want to give you a short definition of each of these uh, gifts of the fivefold ministry. 
apostles, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow from Brother Stone King and Brother Barnes a little bit. I'm going to modify just a little bit. But apostles go. Everybody say apostles go. So apostles are especially equipped and anointed by God to, in fact, the word apostle is apostolos. It means sent. So apostles are sent. They initiate. They open, let's say, a city. Or they open a nation. Or they open a people group. Or they open a language group with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think most of the time when we think about Apostles, we think usually about missionaries, and we have two of the finest sitting in this room tonight, Stephen and Yvonne Nix. Let's give them a hand. We're glad that God (laughs) favored us, that they would uh, be here. And for 25 years, Nicaragua and other parts of the world, and still... I can't even take, keep track of them. Still running around the world equipping and training and teaching. And so apostles go. They open up. Apostles have spiritual authority. That comes with the ability to be able to open a nation or open a city. Or open a community or a people group. They have the spiritual authority to do it. Uh, I've told the story here before of E.L. Freeman who got on a boat, went to Madagascar, got off the boat, walked into the village, lifted his hands and said, Devil, you've had this nation long enough. The Pentecostals are coming. He turned around, got back in the boat, went back to Africa. And today... Madagascar is one of the hottest revival nations of the world. I've been there. I'm a test. I, I'm a witness. I've seen it. Well, did did something happen when Apostle E. L. Freeman put his boots on the ground and walked into, put his feet in the nation and said, "We're coming." Yes, something happened. Something happened. Something shifted. It didn't happen the next day, but it set. Something in motion. And apostles can do that. Apostles, Paul said, the signs of an apostle. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. The signs of an apostle are signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Uh, If an apostle is in the room, like we'll be on Sunday. There will be signs, wonders, mighty deeds. Let me just say, I really believe, I'm going to ask Brother Thomas to pray for the sick. And I believe we're going to see signs and wonders and mighty deeds. He has seen the dead raised back to life. I was with him. In fact, I prayed. God did it, but I prayed. And I saw blinded eyes open. Like I said, he's given me some of the greatest opportunities for miracles and ministry. You've heard me talk about, you know, being in a, in a room of 2,000 people and 95% of them were Hindu and Muslim. I didn't know what to say to those people. And I, I taught them on the seven words for praise. And they were laughing at me. Look at this. Oh, look at funny, crazy missionary. White man, funny white man from America. He, oh, he jumping, dancing. Well, then I got them to shout and jump and dance. And guess what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them. And CP said hundreds of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and just opportunities like I have never seen in my life. So apostles... This is a short definition of them. Prophets guide. Everybody say prophets guide. Prophets guide. They, so the word prophecy or prophesy has a 
two-pronged meaning. One is to foretell. That would be a, a, an utterance in the moment, on the scene, a word from the Lord, a directive. And I will say that probably anybody who has ever taught or preached the Word of God has operated in the gift of prophecy. It may not be a resident gift. They may not be a prophet. But they have operated in the gift. The difference is that a prophet or a prophetess has that gift resident inside of them. It is always there. Uh, It simply needs to be activated. And uh, so a forthtelling, also a foretelling, which would be sort of a prediction, you might say. Uh, something's going to happen. We see this in the book of Acts. Uh, Agabus and other prophets in the first century church prophesied that there would be a worldwide famine under the uh, reign of uh, Claudius Caesar, I think it was. And history bears it out. It, it actually did happen. So, uh, and I've told you about when I was, when COVID hit and I was fussing with God, how come you didn't tell the prophets? And then I see the video of Flo Shaw and uh, God told her it was coming before it came. He told her where it was coming from and he told her, showed her what the molecular structure of COVID-19 looked like. She drew a caricature of it. It's exactly what we saw uh, two months later in January here in America. And uh, so once I found out that God told a prophetess what was coming, I was okay. As long as the prophet, you know, as long as the prophetess saw it and heard it, then I'm good because this is how the kingdom of God should operate. If God's going to do something worldwide or allow something worldwide based on the word of God, how he talked to Noah, how he talked to Abraham, before he sent fire and brimstone, before he sent the flood, before the worldwide famine came and he told Agabus and the other prophets, then, then if we're the apostolic church, the prophets are going to speak and the prophets are going to know. So the prophets, uh, they are like, if the apostles perhaps are like, I don't know, Christ is the head, so let's say the apostles are like the shoulders. They have spiritual authority. They have governmental authority. The prophets are like the voice, the mouth. They, they speak. Their, their primary gift is to speak. But here's another thing about the prophets. They judge spiritual conditions. Rarely will a prophet come and tell you you're doing a great job. They usually come and give you a sort of a kick in the seat of the pants, as it were, in the Holy Ghost. And tell you, you got a little more work to do. You know, what's the problem? Let's get up and get going. And so that's primarily the ministry of the prophet. And I want to say that uh, both the apostle and the prophet, I have had relationships and have relationship with apostles and prophets who have blessed my life, challenged my life. My life took a much different trajectory spiritually when the fight when I partnered when I was intentional first I didn't know what I was doing it was just God and it's always God but finally I figured out what God was doing and then I sort of tried to work with the Lord on this and so prophets are like eyes they see sooner further they're the voice the mouth of the church and they judge spiritual conditions. Everybody say evangelists gather. Evangelists have the God-given ability to bring people to a decision, to a moment of faith. Whether they're sinners or saints, evangelists can help people move to that next step. To make decisions for salvation, to make decisions for commitment, and so on. Uh, pastors, everybody say pastors grow. Pastors grow. This means that they care for the flock. They nurture the flock. They are in the business of developing people, helping them take the next step of maturity. They, they invest in training and teaching and preaching. 
they also have an aspect of protecting, like uh, Psalm 23, as under shepherds, they protect the flock, and they also cast vision for the local church. And then teachers, everybody say teachers ground. In fact, pastors and teachers are really from the same root Greek word. So some even call it the fourfold ministry, but I like five. Because the Bible says pastors and teachers. But they're very, very similar. Teachers ground. This means that they spend time studying. They love to study. So here you are if you're a teacher. Listen up. Teachers love to study. Teachers love to share what they've studied. Teachers love to see the lights go on with their students when they're sharing what they've studied. Teachers, listen, this is a big one. If you're a real teacher, you want your student to do really, 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 really good. You don't want your student to be put down. You want your student to excel. And you want your student even to go further than you ever did if you're a true teacher. And you're clapping and cheering. You're not jealous. You're not stifling them. You're, you're like, woo, go, go, go. In fact, Jesus' primary spiritual gift of the seven spiritual gifts of Romans 12, he was all of them, and he was all five gifts of the uh, fivefold ministry, But Jesus most often functioned in his rabbi role in the four Gospels. And if you want to know what Jesus is all about, it's John 14, 12. The works that I'm doing, you're going to do it. And then greater. And then I'm out of here. (laughs) He said, I'm going to the Father. Teachers don't have to be looking over anybody's shoulder. Okay, I trained them. I discipled them. They got it. I'm out of here. Let me go get somebody else. And this is the attitude of Jesus. All right. So I thought that would take about three minutes, but I'm already a half hour into this. So I want to concentrate on the apostle because I think for some that it shouldn't be controversial, but for some the apostle is controversial. Uh, But... uh, we're apostolic. How many have noticed that secretly and carefully embedded in the word apostolic? It's hidden. It's cleverly hidden. But the word apostle <laughs> is there. You can't really be fully apostolic unless you believe in apostles. And you may not have a personal apostle in your life but the life church is partnered with the fivefold ministry and our our piece of christianity called upci is loaded with apostles and let me sort of jump in here and say that you know paul paul said i'm not an apostle to everybody Because someone is an apostle doesn't make them an apostle to every church, to every individual. Paul recognized this. But he did say to the Corinthians, he said, but bless your heart, I'm your apostle. Because I birthed you in the gospel. (laughs) I have authority to speak into your life. He said, I can't say that everywhere I go. So what does this teach us? This teaches us that the fivefold ministry has boundaries. Fivefold ministry has boundaries. Somebody may be a prophet and they be, may be a prophet as an individual everywhere they go, but that doesn't mean they prophesy everywhere. That doesn't mean they're received everywhere they go. That doesn't mean there's partnership everywhere they go. There's, let me say it this way, there's local apostles. There are what I would even call regional apostles national apostles, and even global apostles. People that travel. They may not be an apostle in every nation they go to as far as having spiritual authority, but 
some places they go, they have absolute spiritual authority. I'll give you one example. Eli Hernandez uh, was an early evangelist and UPCI, that's, we lump a lot of people into evangelists. But a lot of our evangelists are really prophets. And you're going to hear a new prophet, Lord willing, in January. A new prophetic voice is coming to the Life Church. His name is Gordon Winslow. And we connected with him back in March at the first fivefold ministry conference, which we're hosting the next one. <laughs> it's a national UPCI conference. It's coming here next March. Do not plan a vacation March 23, 24, and 25. It'll just be a one-time, one, one deal. It's not going to be an annual thing, I, at least not for the organization. It may be for us. But uh, the, the whole organization is invited. We had our first one in San Diego. And so, uh, and i got to stop chasing these rabbits. Uh, stay on my subject. But anyway, Gordon Winslow, pray for him. He fell in his barn and broke his hip about two months ago. And he's recovering, but he just really needs prayer. So we're praying for him. Uh, so the fivefold ministry has boundaries. Local, regional, national, global. Uh, let me give you an example of a local apostle, for example. A local apostle would be somebody like, let's say, David Bernard when he was in Austin. And they launched 16 congregations out of their congregation. That would be a local apostleship, no doubt about it. And in case you're wondering, and for those that are watching at home, I believe that David Bernard is a modern-day apostle. There's no question about it in my mind. To have the spiritual favor of God, the authority, uh, the effectiveness, the favor, I cannot even begin to tell you what has happened to this organization, not taking anything away from anyone. And I, I served... As, a, as an executive under two previous general superintendents. But I've never been around anyone like our bishop. And by the way, he's coming in February. He's going to be here in February. So local, regional, national, global. Billy Cole would be an example of a global apostle who had spiritual authority in Thailand and in Ethiopia to name at least two nations. Uh, and probably others that I'm unaware of. You know, it's interesting. He was frustrated most of the time in his own pulpit. In fact, uh, his grandson became his successor, and when Brother Cole came to church one day, uh, his grandson noticed that his grandfather was sitting on the front row and not on the platform. And he said, you know, how come you're not on the platform? He said, because uh, I get too frustrated <laughs> I, by looking at some of the people that need to be doing better than they're doing. And, uh, and so he, as a, as in a local setting, he would, be the, would have been the first to tell you that he did not feel like he could exercise all of his gifts, that he could, you know, he'd go to Thailand and, you know, devils would be flying out of people and you know, thousands, thousands receiving the Holy Ghost, as he would say, thousands, and Ethiopia and other places. Uh, anyway, so local, regional, national, and global. Um, I started to talk about Eli Hernandez. He was with me at least once a year for 10 years. Some of you remember those days. And he really helped us get a, a, a spiritual foothold I feel here in Kansas City not taking anything away from our previous pastors but every administration different and God just sent him to us but he also was a prophet he was very prophetic in fact his last prophecy to this church was my provision is in the land says the Lord 
And I'm praying that prayer almost every day for now almost 22 years. My provision's in the land. It's here. It's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And the man of God declared it, and I, I really believe it. Um, so, there are, so apostles and prophets are not unilateral in their authority. In fact, uh, I'll just toss this in, and I might have to have a second phase on this teaching tonight, but um, no member of the fivefold ministry can usurp authority over a local pastor. This is what has caused problems through the years when apostles or prophets who themselves are accountable to no one, and that's not book of Acts. That's not biblical. In the book of Acts, the fivefold ministry is mutually submitted and accountable and in partnership, not in competition or, you know, jockeying for position. That's politics. Has no place in the church. The fivefold ministry, they are humble. They are approachable. They are submitted to God and to each other. And when an apostle or prophet tries to usurp the authority of a local pastor, they're in trouble with God. Because that's not how the kingdom operates. That's not how it does business. I've got Bible for that. That's Acts chapter 15. There was a problem in the first church. Paul's there. Peter's there. Barnabas is there. They all weigh in. They all tell what their issues are. They all give their opinions. And then the Bible says they fell silent. Everybody was talked out. And who stands up? The local pastor. James. The Lord's brother. He says, listen to me. He said, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Ghost. He sort of summarizes. And then he says, uh, he says, wherefore my sentence or my judgment is. The local pastor has the final say in the first century church. And this is how we have peace. This is how we, we operate because um, it's how it is in the scripture. So the fivefold ministry are mutually accountable. They're mutually submitted. They are approachable. They are humble men and women of God. Um, let's see. So let me maybe clear up a question that somebody has. All right, the 12 apostles of the Lamb, they are in a class all by themselves. Nobody has ever equaled the apostles of the Lamb. They were hand chosen by the Lord Himself to help establish the foundation of the church. Ephesians 2.20, we are built on the foundation of of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the apostles of the Lamb are in a class by themselves. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them wrote Scripture. And all of them have their, have their name written in one of the 12 foundations of the holy city. And there are there is no... Provision for their successors. So they're in a class all by themselves. All right. However, there are at least 20 other apostles that are named in the scripture. Over 30 apostles are named or in or strongly inferred in the scripture. And I'll open up a can right now, but I think one of them was a female. So have a nice day. It was a husband and wife. Junia is her name. Paul salutes her. 
Why not? E.L. and Nona Freeman. G.A. and Vesta Mangan. Why not? Absolutely. Um, and I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, talking about female apostles. <laughs> Praise God. We're a blessed people. We're a blessed people to have truth, to understand how the kingdom navigates, how it operates. Um, so I have about five minutes. Um, let me, yeah, I'll just give you a little bit more teaching on this. Um, so God, I'll just say in UPCI. UPCI, we had a little hiccup during the latter rain. Our organization was started in 1945. Uh, my pastor, my first pastor, lived through the latter rain. He was in his prime. He was in his 40s and 50s. He was born in 1900. He saw a lot of stuff come and go, crazy stuff, weird stuff, you know, um, just like magical stuff. And, you know, I don't even know, making birds do this and that and, 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 and false prophecies. And, and my own family, my sister and I, our mother's family suffered during the latter rain because of false prophets and false prophetesses. And Paul talked about false apostles. So this is nothing new. For everything that's authentic and real, there's always going to be an imitation. And But you know what? I've known some false pastors and some false evangelists and some false teachers. But we didn't start stop believing in pastors, evangelists, and teachers because some were knuckleheads. That's Greek for idiots. Look it up. <laughs> so let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, uh, and so there was a generation, and this was debated in our organization in the 60s and 70s, publicly debated, organized public debates about whether we have modern-day apostles and prophets because nobody wanted the latter rain again. They called it the latter splatter. And, but I'm hungry for the supernatural. I'm hungry for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm hungry for a move of God. My wife's uncle, Cleveland Becton, I was talking to him about a, a, a minister we had come and minister at our church when we were at Evangel. And he did a, 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 an outdoor um, service with this particular individual. And we were talking about some of the miracles that we've seen that God used him in. And Brother Becton said, I've not seen miracles like that since the latter rain. So I don't want the latter. I don't want what the latter rain represents. I don't want lack of accountability. What happened was uh, fivefold ministry got drunk on their power. They got drunk on their success. They they were seduced by their gifts. And if your character can't support your gift, you're doomed. You have to have character for the bedrock of your gift. So like my pastor taught me, at the end of the day, if God uses you mightily, he said, when you get back home, go stick your head under a chair and call yourself an unprofitable servant. That's how you, that's how you keep your heart right when God begins to, to use you in, in special ways. So let's stand. Um, I, so let me tell you really what's going on here. So... Brother Bernard has asked me, under the World Network of Prayer, which is our dear sister Flo Shaw, who she will be here in March at the Fivefold Ministry Conference. In fact, we're having a pre-night just with her. 
So she'll be with us on Wednesday night, the 22nd of March. And then the five-fold ministry conference starts Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, but she leads our World Network of Prayer. And Brother Bernard has asked me to chair a committee. And we've been, at work, we've been working on this for over a year now. Where we want to normalize and demystify the fivefold ministry among us. We don't want to create superstars. We, we just want the apostles and prophets to walk among us and be who they are. We want them to just do what they do. We don't want them calling themselves apostles and prophets. We're just not ready for that. It's just, I don't know how else to say it. But if I want to call them an apostle, I'm going to do it. I got the gray hair and I'm old and I'm 65 and bless God. And if I want to call him a prophet and I feel assurance and there's a witness. And so, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm the end all de facto interpreter of who are apostles and prophets. But I'm saying that they are among us and they're probably closer than what we think. So we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to worry. We don't need to, you know, somebody asked me one time, aren't you worried about wildfire? I said, no, there's enough wet blankets around to put all the fires out. Not worried about wildfire. I'd rather calm something down than fire something up. It's a lot easier. How many's with me? Five-fold ministry. Five-fold ministry. Amen. It's apostolic. It's book of Acts. We won't reach the world without it. We won't have this. How many of you would buy a car? And the salesman would say, you know, this is a $50,000 car, but you'll only get 60% of the function and bells and whistles working and the power. You know, you're paying for 100%, but you only get 60%. Nobody would do that. And we don't want 60% of the five-fold ministry. We want 100%. We want 100%. And I know for a fact, a 21st century apostle, will be right here, Lord willing. I should say Lord willing. But I know for a fact he's an apostle. C.P. Thomas. Wow. When an apostle walks in the room, something's going to happen. But you have to believe You have to believe that he or she is a mighty man or a woman of God. In fact, the Bible says more than once in the book of Acts, great fear came on the church. That's in awe, in respect, in reverence. Great fear came on the church. I'll tell you one thing. Ananias and Sapphira found out maybe you can lie to saints but you can't lie to an apostle you don't want to do that there's something you know um, I might say this again on Sunday I've only said this publicly one time and I said it in a moment of revelation as I was preaching at a camp meeting in Wisconsin actually it hit me like a truck I was mentored by five men and each of them was a member of the fivefold ministry a different member of the fivefold ministry S.G. Norse was the apostle in my life I still have yet to be around anybody who had the spiritual authority he did. And I, I know it when I feel it, when I'm, when I'm around it. But he was, he was something. Uh, I'll go in the order of the scripture. My father-in-law, Charles Dyson, when I married the queen, I had no idea her dad was a prophet. Sometimes I get an ache in my spirit for him. I only was able to associate with him for six years, and he suddenly passed away. 
just like a prophet, just whoosh, I'm out of here. My uh, early mentor, place where I preached my first message. He was a pastor then, but for probably 25 years, he was an evangelist. Norman Pasley, senior, my evangelist. And my pastor was Robert Sabin. And my teacher was none other than the venerable Wendell Gleason. He was the ultimate teacher. Everything I described earlier about a teacher, that was him. And I'm just saying that, like David said, he, he said the lines around him were pleasant. And then he said, I have a goodly heritage. And I've been blessed. I've been blessed. If you're asking me, Pastor, what are you? I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor that's been given great favor and great trust and great respect in the organization. But I'm a pastor. That's where my heart is. And worked hard at it for really since I was in Bible college before I ever had the title. I was pastoring. I was caring, loving people, and trying to make a difference. I want you to just pray with me that the fivefold ministry will be fully activated in the life church and in the church around the world. And, and let's pray over the service on Sunday that we will see the signs of an apostle. In the name of Jesus, Lord. We sent you in this place. We know that you are among us. Lord, we're in awe of you. We're not in awe of anything but you, your word. And we stand on it today, and we want to be apostolic in every way. Lord, we will not cherry pick the book of Acts, but we want it all. We want all of it. We want all of it. We want all of it, oh God. We want apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We've got to have them. If we are going to be equipped to reach this world and to break through and break in everywhere that you desire for us to go. I pray, Lord, that in this congregation tonight that we will covet the best gifts, that we will covet the ascension gifts, that we will desire to be used by you. I pray that there will be revelation and understanding as we together, Lord, take this journey to recover, Lord, the essence of and the doctrine and the function of the first century church. Lord, we want the miracles of the first century. We want the spiritual authority of the first century. We want to fill the city with our doctrine. We want to turn the world upside down. We want to go everywhere preaching the word, oh God. We want our whole city to hear the word of the Lord. And God, we just want to impact, Lord, this city and this state and beyond Lord, raise up apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Raise up the fivefold ministry at the Life Church. We want to go out and change the world. We want to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.